All right, good morning everyone. Welcome to the September 12th meeting of the San Francisco County Transportation Authority Board. I am Raphael Mandelman. I serve as chair of this board. Our vice chair is Mirna Melgar. Um, I wanna thank Kalina Mendoza from SFGovTV. Um, that is who I'm thanking, right? Yes. And our clerk today is Elijah Saunders. Mr. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Yes, Chair, Commissioner Chan? Present. Chan present, Commissioner Dorsey? Present. Dorsey present, Commissioner Angardio? Present. Angardio present, Chair Mendelman? Present. Gentlemen present. Vice Chair Melgar? Present. Uh, Commissioner Peskin? Present. Peskin present. Commissioner Preston? Present. Preston present. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan present. Commissioner Safai? Safai absent. Commissioner Stephanie? Present. Stephanie present. Commissioner Walton? Present. Walton present. Chair, we have quorum. Uh, thank you, Mr. Clerk. And uh, Supervisor Safai, or Commissioner Safai, has asked to be excused from this meeting, and I am going to excuse him. Um, and I think you have public. I think you have a public comment announcement. I do. Thank you. For members of the public interested in participating in this board meeting, we welcome your attendance here in person in the legislative chamber, room 250 in City Hall, or you may watch cable channel 26 or 99, preventing on your provider, or stream the meeting live at www.sfgovtv.org. For those wishing to make public comment remotely, the best way to do so is by dialing 415-655-0001. When prompted, entering access code 2660-504-1267, and then press pound and pound again. You'll be able to listen to the meeting in real time. When public comment is called for the item you wish to speak on, press star 3 to be added to the queue. Do not press star 3 again, or you will be removed from the queue. When the system says your line is unmuted, the live operator will advise that you will be allowed two minutes to speak. When your two minutes are up, we will move on to the next caller. Calls will be taken in the order in which they are received. Best practices are to speak slowly, clearly, and turn down the volume of any televisions or radios around you. Public comment for items on this agenda will be taken first from members of the public and attendants in the legislative chamber, and then afterwards from the remote speaker's queue on the telephone line. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. And before calling the next item as chair, I want to invoke Rule 3.26 from our Rules of Order to limit total public comment per item to 30 minutes for today's meeting. Uh, it's my intention to give each speaker two minutes to speak on a given item unless I indicate otherwise at the start of that item. Mr. Clerk, would you please call the next item? Item two, approve the minutes of the July 25th, 2023 meeting. This is an action item. Thank you. Um, let's open this item for public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who wants to speak to us about the minutes, come on forward. Seeing no one, let's see if we have any, oh. Maybe we do. Good morning, everybody. Again, uh, I don't have any public comments, but it's coming. Okay. Um, uh, pub, uh, let's see if we have any remote public comment on this item. Checking for remote public comment on item two. There is no public comment. All right. Public comment on item two is closed. Uh, is there a motion to approve the minutes? Moved uh, by Walton, seconded by Preston. Mr. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Commissioner Chan? Chan, aye. Commissioner Dorsey? Aye. Dorsey, aye. Commissioner Angardio? Aye. Angardio, aye. Chair Milliman? Aye. Milliman, aye. Vice Chair Milgar? Aye. Milgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston? Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan? Aye. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Stephanie? Aye. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton? Aye. Walton, aye. There are 10 ayes. The minutes are approved. All right. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Please call our next item.
Item three, Community Advisory Committee report. This is an information item. And I believe we have CAC Vice Chair Kat Siegel to give the CAC report. Maybe. Yes, hi. There we are. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Uh, good morning, commissioners. Uh, the CAC has met twice since our last report to you, once in July and once last week. Uh, at our July meeting, we received a Vision Zero Quick Build project update from SFMTA uh, with Vision Zero and the Quick Build program continuing to be a top priority for this CAC. Uh, mem many members uh, raised concerns about the Valencia Street center running bike lane quick build project in particular and asked to receive further updates once the pilot period had officially begun. Uh, and the CAC still hopes to see treatments completed on the remaining 50 miles of the higher injury network by the end of 2024. Um, also at the July CAC meeting, the CAC considered the transportation capital projects delivery study. Uh, but failed, failed to pass a motion in support due to outstanding questions about the implementation of the Capital Projects Management Office, um, as well as accountability structures and the city's bidding and procurement process. Uh, several CAC members met with staff to have their questions answered after the July meeting, and the item was approved on its second appearance at the September 6th CAC meeting. Uh, also at the September 6th meeting, the CAC voted to support the release of funds for the downtown rail extension project and to approve the contracts for the Europe Buena Island Hillcrest Road Improvement Project and the Torpedo Building Preservation Project. Uh, the CAC also voted to adopt the Treasure Island Supplemental Transportation Study. Uh, however, several members requested that staff evaluate the financial impact to the city of making the 25 Treasure Island Muni route free and weigh this option against the operational costs of administering a transit stipend program uh, for low-income residents and workers as currently proposed by the study. Um, several members also raised concerns to staff about further weatherproofing the standard Muni bus shelters planned for installation given high winds on Treasure Island. Uh, finally, we received a presentation from staff about autonomous vehicles, which unsurprisingly met with a lot of questions from members about what creative regulatory levers might be at the city's disposal uh, and encouragement from members that the TA board and staff advocate with lawmakers at the state and federal level for greater local control over these vehicles. Um, thank you. That concludes my report, and I'm available to answer any questions you might have. Thank you, Vice Chair Siegel, and to all the members of the CAC for um, their diligent uh, participation in the committee. And I don't see any comments or questions, so let's uh, open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who wants to speak on item three, please come forward. And if not, let's see if we have remote public comment on item three. Checking for remote public comment on item three. And there is no public comment. All right. Public comment on item three is closed. Mr. Clerk, will you please call item four, which is the totality of our consent agenda today? Item four comprises the consent agenda. Staff is not planning to present on this item, but is available for questions. All right. And we have already taken public comment on this item. So um, is there a motion to approve item four? Uh, moved by Walton, seconded by Melgar, and I think we can take that same house, same call, without objection. And, Mr. Clerk, uh, can you please call item five? 
Item 5, appoint Phoebe Ford as the District 4 representative to the Community Advisory Committee. This is an action item. Um, Mike Pickford, Principal Transportation Planner. Good morning. The Transportation Authority has an 11-member Community Advisory Committee with each member serving a two-year term. The board appoints individuals to fill any open seats. Neither staff nor the CAC make recommendations on appointments. Applicants may apply via our website, and applicants must be San Francisco residents and must appear before the board at least once to describe their interest and qualifications. Attachment two in the packet has detailed information on each applicant. There are two open seats that the board may act on today. Um, I can take any questions, and uh, Chair, as discussed, Phoebe Ford, District 4 resident, is here to speak to her interest. Fantastic. Let, let's, let's hear from our candidate. Good morning. Uh, thank you to the board for having me here today. Uh, I'm San Francisco resident. And I now live with my husband and two young sons in the Sunset near Lawton Alternative School. I applied for this committee just as a citizen, um, taking to heart the challenge that you don't need to move to live in a better neighborhood. I am a pedestrian, a transportation cyclist, occasionally a driver to my office in the South Bay. And I believe we must be moving faster with regards to our transportation policy choices to achieve both Vision Zero and our climate goals. I don't have a professional background in urban planning or activism. I'm very nervous and awkward handing out flyers, but I'm really good at meetings. So <laughs> I have had a background in transportation, logistics, ocean freight, and e-commerce fulfillment, most recently uh, as a product manager building transportation technology. Um, but I love geography, and I love cities, and I love this city, and we have great bones to be fantastic. It is compact, we have wonderful public transportation investments, we have great weather, and room to cycle all the time. Um, but we still have a lot of ways to go on our Vision Zero, and meeting and beating standards that are set around the world. Um, a new car that is bought today is gonna to be on the road in 2050. And if we wanna meet our Vision Zero goals, we need to make choices that reduce the number of cars there are in 2050. Thank you. Thank you, Phoebe Ford. Um, let's open this item to public comment. If there is anyone uh, in the chamber who would like to speak on item five, please come forward. I spoke to this one first, and I don't know why. Vision Zero, sorry. There is not such a thing as a Vision Zero, it means nothing. If you don't have a vision, you need a vision. The problem is we are, we are always dealing with the same thing here. It's brought about by too much, um, it's a cover-up, so it doesn't work. You look at your nose, at some point you just see your nose, it's like Pinocchio, you see? But so you lose the vision because you are cross-eyed. You get an accident then. Okay, sorry, it's a metaphor, but. Uh... All right. Um, if there's no further public comment in the chamber, let's see if we have any remote public comment on item five. Checking for remote public comment on item five. And there is no public comment. All right, public comment on item five is closed. Um, if the uh, D4 
for representative would like to say, uh, there we go. Commissioner Ngardia. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. Uh, thank you, Phoebe Ford, for introducing herself. I'm pleased to nominate Phoebe Ford. She's a Sunset parent, multimodal transportation user. She's a committed advocate for bike and pedestrian issues, serving on the Golden Gate Bridge Highway and Transportation District's Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee. In her professional career, Phoebe's valuable logistics understanding and insights will provide a significant value add uh, to the Community Advisory Committee. She understands how people, goods, and services move from place to place. So I do believe Phoebe will help represent the hardworking businesses, young families, and seniors of the sunset. So thank you, colleagues. I uh, eagerly request your support for her nomination. Thank you, Commissioner Engardio. I'm going to take that as a motion to approve item five. Um, is there a second? Seconded by Melgar. Uh, and I think we can not take that same house, same call. Or no, we can. We can. So let's, we'll take that same house, same call without objection. Uh, Mr. Clerk, please call item six. Item six, state and federal legislation update. This is an information item. Um, and I think we have Mark Watts remotely maybe yes i'm remotely here there we go good morning chair mandelman and commissioners um i gotta adjust my photo and i'm not sure what's going on with that but anyway let me proceed um <laughs> is that better there we go looking amazing thank you and my apologies for having that messed up uh, first of all, here we are at the very last week of the legislative session for 2023. It's halfway through the two-year session. Uh, specifically, this Thursday, the 14th of September, is the end of the first uh, first year. And uh, legislation uh, that's not passed by that point in time will carry over to next year. And during the fall, we will have the fall interim. They'll be doing... Uh, in the legislature, they'll be conducting some studies um, through hearing processes and developing bill, uh, bill packages for next year. Uh, in your packet, in item under item six on page 79, is a spreadsheet that shows the bill status for positions that have been taken this year for bills that are uh, moving uh, or not moving forward, but will be considered two-year bills at this point in time, unless there's specific action between now and Thursday. Uh, it, this is a snapshot of the bill status at the end of last week, and uh, both uh, Amber Crabb and myself will be available for questions on the uh, spreadsheet on page 79. A couple of bills I want to draw your attention to. Am I right? Uh, AB 45, which is the legislation that deals with uh, e camera uh will be is 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 scheduled today and be heard on the senate floor uh we'll see if it is they may carry it over a day or two uh we have supported the bill at every step through the process and uh, the staff will continue to work with uh, mta to advocate for the governor's approval if the bill does advance to the governor this week ACA-1, which is the measure that has been around for several uh, sessions, uh, is finally catching fire and has moved rapidly through uh, the assembly processes and into the Senate. Did a it did pass Senate elections yesterday and is scheduled to be heard 
any moment in the Appropriations Committee, ACA 1 would allow or authorize local uh, taxes and local bond approvals at the 55% level uh, rather than the two-thirds level that's in, in law now. The uh, bond approval rating is uh, consistent with what the educational community was able to accomplish about a decade and a half ago. And uh, there's a lot of uh, advocacy going in support of that. I do know the entire transportation did, did support this measure. Um, and we'll be work, uh, we preparing to uh, uh, see it passed this week. If it does, um, it's interesting because it is a resolution, not a bill. So it does not require governor's signature nor approval. If he doesn't like the measure, he needs to step up and try to uh, turn that around. Otherwise, he does not have the opportunity to veto it. Uh, moving forward, if the bill did pass, uh, it, it's intended to be under a current elections code law to be scheduled for the March uh, consolidated presidential primary. So uh, if that occurred, then measures could be placed on next November's ballot, local measures could be placed on next November's ballot uh, with the clear understanding that uh, the 55% threshold would be what would, would be applied. Um, in addition, I'd like to point out, and I think this is well known across uh, the, the uh, Bay Area, uh, Senator Weiner had to uh, pull his uh, SB 532 at this uh, point in time and is working with uh, uh, sessions that he's proposed in the fall to generate a, a greater level of support for the toll program that he was proposing. Um, looking ahead to next year, it's hard to predict what's going to happen, but we do know with the changes in the Assembly and the Senate that there will be changes in the committees, structures, as well as changes in the chairs of those committees uh, across the board, most likely. Um, uh, I'm not going to speculate publicly about what's going to happen to chairs that are in our bailiwick. Um, but I think uh, anything is, is up in the air at this point in time. Um, as I indicated, Amber and I are available to answer questions, uh, specific, especially with regard to the um, status of legislation on the uh, uh, matrix on page 79. So thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity to address you uh, this summer and uh, look forward to any questions you might have. Uh, thank you, Mr. Watts, for your update and all your work. Commissioner Dorsey. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. Uh, mostly, I just wanted to express my gratitude to everybody at SF CTA um, for the work on AB 645. Um, I was in Sacramento last week um, with Walk SF and Jody Medeiros. I, I'm appreciative too to SFMTA with whom we are working already um, on getting ready for if fingers crossed if this is you know it gets through the legislative process if it gets a positive floor vote today in the Senate um, and you know gets signed into law by the governor I want to make sure that um, San Francisco hits the ground running so we're already starting to work on that with Madison Tam in my office um, board Chair Amanda Egan was also in Sacramento, um, is, along with a lot of community folks who are involved with Walk SF. Uh, my gratitude to Assemblymember Laura Friedman, who has um, 
really shepherded this to a further level of success than we have seen in years past. Um, State Senator Scott Weiner, who's obviously you know the Senate champion for this, but also our own um, Assemblymember Phil Ting, and um, David Chu, who's now our City Attorney but past Assemblymember, was a champion for of this for a long time. So it's been an, a long process. I think I have more optimism, and from what I'm hearing from everybody, um, this is something that we can be optimistic about. And I actually have optimism for the policy as well. I really believe that this is a policy that will change behavior and people's understanding of what it is to drive in a dense residential neighborhood, especially when you're coming off of a freeway. Knowing that there is certainty about getting a ticket, um, I think that will keep our neighborhoods safer. And as we get denser as a city with 82,000 units of housing on the way, hopefully, you know, if things go right, um, safety is going to be more important and speed is the number one issue that we have to address. So my gratitude all around Fingers crossed, everybody. Thank you, Commissioner Dorsey. Let's open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who would like to speak to us on item six, please come forward. Nice, I don't know. I don't think everything you are working on is going to happen. Actually, I know it's not going to happen. So please try to preserve your energy for something that's going to happen because we have no choice. So I don't know, I don't know the, the details of what you are working on. I just know that it's, the purpose is not good. It's not for the people. You cannot hide it forever. It's not for your good either. There is no way around. So please put your energy now for something that you know is going to happen because here you are wasting your energy. It's bad. The clock is ticking. <clears throat> Please pay attention. Let's see if there is any remote public com comment on item six. Checking for remote public comment on item six. And there is no public comment. All right, public comment on item six is closed. And thanks, uh, Mr. Watson, Ms. Crabb, and Mr. Clerk, please call item seven. Item seven, release $4,687,100 in previously allocated sales tax funds with conditions to the Transbay Joint Powers Authority for Downtown Rail Extension Engineering Development and Procurement Preparation. This is an action item. All right, thank you, Mr. Clerk. And I think we have Jesse Kaler, um, our rail program manager. Um, uh, and I do want to highlight the significant progress being made um, uh, on the portal uh, by the portal project team and the TJPA, um, where I serve as a vice chair. At last month's TJPA board meeting, the board authorized a comprehensive submittal to the Federal Transit Administration in support of seeking more than $4 billion um, uh, in capital investment program funds. This was a major step for the project, and I want to thank and recognize TJPA, our own Transportation Authority staff, and the entire project team on achieving uh, an ambitious accelerated schedule that we set two years ago to reach this milestone. Um, so Mr. Kaler, update us. Good morning, Chair Mandelman and Commissioners. Jesse Kaler, Rail Program Manager with the Transportation Authority. Just a note for SFGovTV that I have shared my presentation. We are also joined this morning by staff from the Transbay Joint Powers Authority, lead agency for the Downtown Rail Extension Project, now known as the Portal, including Anna Harvey, Deputy Project Director, with us in chambers this morning. 
This item is a Prop K action in follow-up to the board's allocation of funds six months ago. Given project developments, as the chair noted during that time, I will also use this presentation to briefly provide the board with highlights of developments since that time, as well as upcoming milestones. Just as a reminder for the public, the portal project will bring Caltrain and future high-speed rail to the Salesforce Transit Center in the heart of downtown San Francisco to complete the vision of the Transbay program. The Transit Center was constructed with a subterranean train box, which is ready and waiting to receive trains through the construction of the portal. The project is a long-standing regional and local priority for transit expansion and federal funding. The portal project is being developed through a partnership of six agencies under the terms of a memorandum of understanding established in 2020. This MOU was an outgrowth of the Transportation Authority Board's expert peer review completed in 2019, and the MOU defines a work program to bring the project to ready for procurement status. Under this MOU, the Transportation Authority and the MTC have been responsible for preparing recommendations for project governance to serve the project through construction and implementation. Last month, the TJPA board approved the portal governance blueprint, reflecting these governance recommendations prepared by the Transportation Authority and MTC. In March of this year, the board allocated the remaining 10 million in Prop K funds programmed to TJPA for the portal in order to dedicate these funds prior to the sunset of the Prop K program. At that time, the governance blueprint work was not yet complete. Given the board's interest in this governance work, the board placed approximately $4.7 million on reserve, subject to future release by the board following completion of the blueprint and a presentation to the board on the recommended governance approach for project procurement and construction. With the TJPA board's approval of the blueprint last month, we are here this morning to summarize these recommendations and recommend the release of the reserved Prop K funds. The governance blueprint approved by the TJPA board in August provides policy direction to guide the preparation of a new multi-party memorandum of understanding among the six DTX partner agencies to succeed the current MOU and serve the project through implementation. The blueprint focuses on the structure for multi-agency collaboration and decision-making during delivery of the project. This slide displays the governance structure put forward in the blueprint. This recommended approach will build on the partnership and integration that has been developed over the past three plus years under the current Peninsula Rail MOU with a focus on building capacity and partnership at each level in support of TJPA's delivery of the project. A few elements to highlight. The structure includes a standing committee of the TJPA board, including representation from San Francisco and Caltrain to provide for focused and dedicated policy review. The board committee and policy review process will be further supported by continued executive level steering through the executive working group consisting of senior executives from the partner agencies. At the senior management and project delivery levels, the blueprint recommends deepened integration of partner agency resources, including from Caltrain, the city, and the Transportation Authority to enable management alignment across agencies and the dedication of delivery resources. Finally, the structure includes a change control board consistent with Bay Area practice for multi-agency me mega projects in order to provide oversight and transparency of the management of scope, schedule, budget, contracts, and risk. The portal governance blueprint also puts forward the StageGate framework shown on this slide. The purpose of the StageGate approach is to align decision-making at major milestones through an assessment of readiness to proceed to successive phases 
and with policy-level consideration of the stage gate and its identified inputs. The first gate is planned to proceed in the coming months with the planned initiation of the project procurement process, a major milestone on the project, in order to identify the teams of qualified contractors with whom the team will advance the project design through a pre-construction phase of work. In addition, the project plans in the coming months to advance early construction activities and other pre-construction activities, including utility relocation, site preparation, and right-of-way. Shifting gears momentarily, I would like to turn to a brief summary of the project's significant progress this year with respect to the federal funding program. The Federal Transit Administration's New Starts program is the single largest planned source of funding for the project for just under half of the project's capital cost. A great deal of energy and attention across the team in the past three years has been focused on our accelerated work program in order to seek this grant from the Biden-Harris administration. The project was admitted to the federal process in 2021, and this past spring, the FTA conducted its comprehensive risk review of the project. Last month, in addition to approving the governance recommendations, the TJPA board authorized a comprehensive submittal to the FTA in order to advance the project into the next phase of the FTA process. This milestone keeps the project on track to secure the FTA grant by spring of 2025. The submittal currently to FTA reflects the outcomes of the risk review I, I noted, which was conducted this spring. This review resulted in a recommended 6% increase in project cost to better account for cost and schedule risks identified by the FTA. Along with a number of other more minor adjustments guided by FTA's review and submittal requirements, the project's estimated cost is $7.5 billion. This estimate is subject to further refinement this fall as FTA conducts its formal review of the project. Additionally, the project team received positive news this summer with FTA's approval of the inclusion of the previously completed train box investment within the portal's project definition. This allows the TJPA to count this more than $700 million previous investment as a foundational, committed, non-FTA investment, allowing the project to seek a higher level of FTA funding. In concert with the updated capital cost estimate, the project team has been advancing the capital funding plan. Currently, an estimated $1.9 billion is identified as committed to the project. Prior to the execution of the grant agreement with FTA, the project must demonstrate the commitment of all non-FTA funds. This leaves up to approximately $2 billion in funding still to be committed over the next 18 months. This funding strategy will require confirming additional state funding to the project, securing additional non-FTA federal grant funds, and developing new and expanded local and regional funding sources. This is a significant remaining mountain to climb and will require concerted and coordinated advocacy and engagement at all levels. Still, the funding environment has perhaps never been bought better for the opportunity to fully fund this project, deliver a regional priority, and leverage expanded federal funds available through FTA and the bipartisan infrastructure law. Finally, I will close by highlighting for the board that the Transportation Authority will continue to conduct oversight of the portal project as it moves into the procurement and delivery phases. Allocation of sales tax funds is subject to our continuing oversight protocol for the TransPay program, and our partnership with the project team is also supported by the governance structure presented this morning. Our oversight reflects the significant local investment in the project, the high-risk profile of the portal, and the fact that the FTA investment will be capped in absolute terms in the coming months. This oversight is complementary to the federal oversight conducted by the FTA throughout delivery. That concludes my remarks. Our staff recommendation is before you. We and TJPA staff are here to address your questions. Thank you.
Uh, thank you, Mr. Kaler. Thank you for all of your work, for your presentation. Um, we have, um, I believe, Adam Vanderwater's deputy, Anna Harvey, if, um, if folks have questions. Oh, and it appears that people do. Uh, Commissioner Dorsey. Thank you, Chair Mandelman, and thank you, uh, Jesse. I, mostly this is just to, again, to express uh, my gratitude to everybody at SFCTA and to uh, TJPA for their work on this, and I just appreciate um, your engagement with my office and giving me a tour of the, the project, and it's um, exciting to be a part of, and I'm going to be a full partner in moving this forward. So thanks so much. Uh, Commissioner Peskin. Yeah, just a, a few things. Um, one is that earlier this year there was a little kerfluffle as to the MOU extension, which now is extended to the end of this calendar year, and I believe the parties are contemplating a extension through the end of calendar year 2024 and just wanted to inquire as to the status of those discussions and get some assurances that there won't be a kerfluffle on said extension. Thank you for the question, Commissioner Peskin. Through the chair, what the team is focused on presently, guided by the governance blueprint I described this morning, is developing a successor agreement that would actually succeed the current MOU due to expire at the end of this year. We're working on an accelerated basis to prepare that document in its first form so it can be brought forward in the coming months. And I guess just in the spirit of that successor agreement that will be forthcoming, I think what's important for this body, uh, the Transportation Authority, is getting and maintaining a level of comfort that given the funding gap and uh, operational issues that uh, the Transportation Authority and its staff and city staff be uh, working closely and kept in the loop uh, as we go forward, and I'd like a representation that that will continue to be true. Sounds like a job for uh, Ms. Harvey. Good morning. Anna Harvey, Deputy Project Director for Engineering with the Trans-Bay Joint Powers Authority. Um, to specifically speak to how we are collaborating with city agencies, earlier this year in collaboration with OEWD and the City Attorney's Office, TJPA took a interagency cooperation agreement with 11 different city agencies through a variety of boards and commissions. It was adopted by the Board of Supervisors in June. This ICA provides a framework for reimbursement as well as a annually updated scope for individual agency collaboration on the portal project. Through its auspices, we have established a quarterly kind of invoice and reimbursement as well as monthly technical advisory committee meetings. This ensures that a single agency point of contact is available to TJPA and the portal to make sure that we are covering all of our needs and their needs related to collaboration and coordination on this project moving forward. And then I guess I'll just note, particularly in light of the item that we, improve, that we approved on the consent calendar, the Transportation Capital Projects Delivery Study, uh, and this is in many ways not as a Transportation Authority Commissioner, but as a supervisor, I just want to note that on the city side, uh, we have a lot of city side coordination and efficiency that will have to happen between public works and 
the PUC as it relates to utilities and the SFMTA, and there's a lot of need for coordination on that side. And as you move forward and noting a $2 billion uh, unidentified funding gap, as we move forward with right-of-way acquisitions and uh, utility relocation, I want to get a better understanding of the temporal realities and that, I mean, if we're condemning properties and we still have a $2 billion funding gap, how that works. Related to right-of-way, the upcoming milestones are a draft item in November and a final item in December related to studies that are required for us to commence our right-of-way program. So that would not start before the beginning of next year. And as we move forward, our right-of-way program manager, along with Adam Vanderwater, our executive director, Alfonso Rodriguez, with our project director, are making sure to do the necessary legislative and stakeholder briefing so that everybody's on the same page as to what the upcoming milestones are. And so I'd say those fall milestones are the next as related to our right-of-way program, and we'll be happy to provide more detail as to what triggers the kind of next steps next spring related to the right-of-way program. Okay. So, but... The $2 billion funding gap we have to figure out in 18 months, and early next year is like four or five months away, so I just want to make sure that we don't get our cart too far in front of our horse. Thank you. Um, Mr. Kaler, you want to? It looked like you. Okay. All right. And I don't know if our staff has anything they want to add to that or questions they would like to ask in that vein, Mr. Chairman. Um, seeing shaking heads. Um, uh, so maybe Mr. Kaler you, or, or Ms. Harvey, just what, so steps between where we are now and, uh, you know, spring, I mean, the next big thing is we're getting this application in, well, explain to me the big things. We're getting our, we've gotten our application in or we're getting our application in for, for new starts. Um, we're going to get some sense from FDA of how they're viewing our, uh, viewing how we're doing, we're going to be trying to close this $2 billion gap somehow. Um, and there's work that's going to be happening between now and January. So can, can you kind of flesh out a little bit about what's happening between now and January, February? Sure. Thank you for the question, Chair Mandelman. And I'll, I'll start. And uh, Ms. Harvey may want to add. Uh, there was a reason why I chose to present the StageGate framework as part of this morning's presentation as it we are approaching a major set of milestones in the project, and it really reflects the success of the team in delivering nearly all of the work specified in our existing MOU over the past three plus years. So that's very exciting. But of course, the challenges ahead are even more significant. And the stage gate identifies a number of inputs which are a gut check for the readiness of the project to proceed and to continue to build momentum. And there's always a balance of risk and reward in moving certain activities forward even as other pieces of the project development and funding puzzle are coming together. So later this month at the executive steering committee which supports you and the rest of the TJPA board across the six agencies, We'll be considering an item with respect to those upcoming milestones which are specific to initiating the procurement process for the project and for which we want to have a sense of the 
status of the project within the FTA process, the progress of this governance work that I described this morning, the development of key third-party agreements, which Ms. Harvey referenced the agreement with the city and others, including with Caltrain. And so over the course of most likely two of those executive steering committee meetings in order to provide advice to the TJPA board, the team will be sort of grappling with the implications and schedule for those next steps. So that is still in progress uh, this fall, uh, but will require uh, certainly a hard look at each element of readiness on the project in order to keep us having momentum uh, within the federal process and being on track to uh, select the right contractor teams. It's also important to note that the selection of those contractor teams does not mean that we immediately start constructing under those large contracts. The procurement strategy, which was put forward by the TJPA and the Transportation Authority under the MOU, contemplates bringing those contractors on board for a pre-construction phase during which we develop the design and finalize the contract for delivery. And so actually executing under those contracts would not start until 2026. So a lot more work ahead, but some big decisions certainly ahead in the coming months and couple of years. You want to add to that? Just very briefly related to how we are working with our partners as we move forward with procurement right of way and these various things that Jesse went through quite thoroughly. So I don't have anything to add there, but we do meet on a bi-weekly, uh, bi-monthly basis with our integrated pro program management team, um, our monthly executive steering committee, uh, and then also these tax, both with the operators and the city agencies, as well as a monthly meeting with our FTA project management oversight consultant. So there's a great deal of coordination and oversight on a regular basis basis on the portal project. And do we have a deadline for closing the $2 billion gap? The effective deadline, Chair, is securing the full funding grant agreement with FTA. FTA will not ex enter into that agreement unless we can demonstrate the commitment of those funds, and that's currently scheduled for early 2025. In effect, in order to do the negotiation, we really need to have a good picture by the end of next calendar year to hit that schedule. 2024 is a big year for this. Correct. There's a lot of missing money. But a lot of money we found, so that's great. All right. Um, thank you both, and let's open this item to public comment. Out of the blue, from the sky, I see that... Uh, that you don't know what you're doing. So it's okay, I mean, so, so far, but, uh, because what's the point of what you're doing right of way? I mean, it's just rhetoric here, but there, what's the, it's like the confusing form and content. It's like, it's always the same story, it seems, repeating. Okay, never mind, for now. Uh, let's see if we have any remote public comment on this item. Checking for remote public comment on item seven. Hi, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Good morning, uh, Commissioners, uh, Royal to Grand San Jose. Um, I would like to start by calling uh, Commissioner Dorsey's comments and thank Jesse Kaler and his team for getting us to this point. With regards to Commissioner Peskin's comments about coordination, I would like to bring to your attention last week's Caltrain board meeting where Director Chavez inquired about the coordination with Link 21 
on the next Transbay crossing. I believe that that conversation will continue tomorrow morning at MPC's Programming and Allocations Committee, because as you may know, um, Catherine Director Chavez is the chair of the Program and Allocations Committee. She disclosed me to the various above station, which basically means she takes part to MTC and she walks down the youth street every time and she looks to the left and wonder how can these people possibly do this? So that concludes my comment. Thank you. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. All right. Uh, public comment on this item is closed. Um, I will move approval. Is there a second? Uh, seconded by Dorsey. Um, and I think we can take this item, uh, same house, same call, without objection. And Mr. Clerk, uh, can you please call item eight? Item eight, adopt the Treasure Island Supplemental Transportation Study and Tip Planning Final Report. This is an action item. Rachel Hyatt, Deputy Director for Planning. Yes, good, good morning. And I am joined by Sherry Williams, who is the co-executive director of One Treasure Island. They were our um, partner on this study, which is the District 6 um, NTIP planning project focused on Treasure Island and identifying supplemental services and improvements um, oriented to the current residents um, and workers on the island. Um, the objective is to to bring some near-term um, benefits to the current residents ahead of the improvements that will come and roll out over a period of years with the redevelopment. Uh, one Treasure Island, Sherry and Nella, um, were our partners throughout the study. They also led all of the outreach um, activities. They led a working group um, that guided the study throughout the process, um, a needs assessment survey that we conducted together that informed the uh, goals and objectives and the draft strategies and the evaluation framework, and then focus groups which helped refine and then prioritize the recommendations. Um, these uh, objectives and then the evaluation framework that followed were um, through that outreach co-created with the Treasure Island community. Um, through the process, we realized, learned that there are existing services and um, uh, offerings available to tr uh, Treasure Island and all San Francisco neighborhoods that many people don't know about, including a lot of folks on Treasure Island. So I want to take the opportunity to publicize and share that Treasure Island and all San Francisco neighborhoods um, have access to the Essential Trip Card, um, which provides discounted taxi rides for essential services for people um, who have mobility disabilities with disabilities and seniors. The same other services um, also available to that population are SFMTA's Van Gogh shuttle and Chaperone shuttle. Ultimately, there are five top priority recommendations um, that the study recommends. And they are a little atypical in that all but one of them are services or um, 
programs that are ongoing operations um, rather than capital projects, which makes them a little bit, uh, well, a lot more difficult to fund. Um, I'll go through each of the five. Um, the first is a community ambassador program to support uh, safety and security for folks traveling on the island, accessing and waiting for transit. One Treasure Island is actually piloting a community ambassador program um, with some funding that they have received. The capital improvement recommendation is to upgrade the bus shelters that are in the last phase of development. These are the bus shelters that are in the current residential area of the island and um, will be the last ones to be uh, replaced with uh, the new development. Um, the community was very clear that they are interested in um, rest restoration of the um, pre-pandemic levels of service on Muni Route 25, um, which has been affected you know, by, by, by the pandemic as well as by the uh, construction on the island, which results in longer run times. In the past, the Lifeline Transportation Program, a, a regional grant fund, has provided um, operating funding to increase frequencies on the 25. Another option or complementary option is a microtransit service which responds to the community's desire for uh, single seat rides to more mainland destinations. Um, a model that we look to is the MTA's Bayview Community Shuttle. It's a state grant funded uh, uh, turnkey uh, microtransit um, service that will launch um, sometime in the next year in the Bayview, and it's an on-demand operation um, that provides folks single-seat rides within a defined service area. Um, this is a type of service that could potentially be coordinated with <clears throat> the future uh, on-island Treasure Island shuttle and East Bay shuttle. And lastly, um, the last recommendation is for just more communications and information about the existing and future transportation improvements that um, folks are eligible for and will be coming to the island in the future. The, because um, four of these are operating programs of services, um, they're more challenging to fund than a capital project. Um, however, um, there are some grant programs at the state or regional level that could provide pilot funding for a period of a few startup years. Um, and then the programs to continue would need to s switch to a permanent ongoing source of operating funds. One potential source in the case of Treasure Island is uh, the Treasure Island Mobility Management Program um, that the TIMA agency uh, may launch um, in the coming years. Sh again, Sherry Williams, um, our partner in the study from One Treasure Island, is also here um, on the line. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Deputy Director Hyatt um, and Commissioner Dorsey. Thank you so much, Chair Mandelman, and uh, thank you, colleagues, for um, being here for the District 6 portion of the, uh, of the meeting. I really want to say, um, uh, Rachel and uh, Sherry, this is a really impressive report, and I just it's great work. Um, I know this started before my time here. Um, I pre am appreciative to my predecessor, Matt Haney, who requested this, but I think this just did a great job, and it's, a, um, it's terrific. 
There was one question I had about, um, you know, there's two, th we always often talk about there's 2,000 residents there right now. When we do community engagement, the number seems low. And, and I just wonder, is there anything, and this, Sherry, this is maybe for you as well, is there anything that we could be doing um, more to just make sure that we're in touch with people? When I'm out there, sometimes I, I, I hear from people that, you know, I know that there's a lot of efforts to do outreach, but people still don't feel that they're included as a, anything we can do or that I can do to be. Sure. And maybe I will invite Sherry um, to, to speak to this first, if you would like, Sherry. Let's see if we can get Sherry. I can see her. I cannot hear her. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Um, one of the things that we did initiate this year is that Textitly um, program so that we now text residents on um, that they have to sign up for it. But um, uh, and so we can give information and we do a weekly um, update on things that are happening on Treasure Island um, through the Textitly program. We have, I think, um, close to uh, 1200 people. That, um, so it's residents and workers on the island and people interested in what's happening on Treasure Island. So that was some an, a new effort that we made. And then we also do regular weekly outreach um, in um, at the food pantry and at the different um, bulletin boards. Um, and um, so there's been quite a few different um, efforts, but I will say I think the Textitly now is um, one great one, but we are still doing things like posting flyers and handing out flyers and, and that kind of um, um, outreach as well. Um, I did want to say that I, um, this project has been um, an absolute um, exciting project for us because we really want to see uh, um, the transit uh, first um, effort work on Treasure Island, but we need to have these supplemental transportation options for residents. And so it's very important um, that now that we have this study to really find out how we actually uh, financially make them happen and make them a reality. So we're excited to get to this next point of actually finding the resources. And we are um, actively working on the bus shelter improvement um, project. So I think we can see some real accomplishments, but we will need to pursue resources to make it happen. Oh, the other thing we also did though, in terms of, uh, sorry, of outreach is that we, and this is part of that ambassador program, is that we created a welcome packet for all the new residents on the island, but we're also giving it to existing residents to tell them about all of those different transportation options that Rachel mentioned early on that a lot of residents were unaware of. So we're also furthering education about that. Great, thank you so much. And uh, anything I can do to be helpful, I'm happy to continue to engage with us. And thank you so much for uh, this, this is excellent work. Great. Thank you so much, Supervisor Dorsey. Let's open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who'd like to sp speak to us about item eight, please come forward. Nice. <laughs> Transportation, yes, in Treasure Island, because it's going to be a big problem, no? I mean, you have to go to cross the bridge, go on the bridge, it's already uh, so much traffic on it, so you need to put people in buses, yes, definitely, if they work in the city. But it's a goal at the same time because we know. Uh, yes, I think that's all I can say. Otherwise, it's, it's going to make no sense. So. Let's see if we have any remote public comment on item eight. 
checking for remote public comments. And there is no public comment. Uh, public comment on item eight is closed. Um, Commissioner Dorsey, would you like to move approval? Uh, I am happy to second that. And um, I think we can take this same house, same call without objection. Mr. Clerk, could you please call items nine and 10 together? Yes, Chair. Item 9, increase the amount of professional services contract with WMH Corporation by $350,000 to an amount not to exceed $3,050,000 for the design phase and Caltrain's right-of-way approval for the Yerba Buena Island Hillcrest Road Improvement Project. That is an action item. Item 10, approve a two-year professional services contract with WSP USA, Inc. in an amount not to exceed $4,300,000 for construction management services for the Yerba Buena Island Hillcrest Road Improvement Project and approve a two-year professional services contract with GHD in an amount not to exceed $1,200,000 for construction management services for the Torpedo Building Preservation Project and Pier E2 Phase 2 project. That is an action item. Welcome, Deputy Director Holmes. Thank you, Chair Mandelman and uh, Commissioners. Good morning. Um, if we could share the slides, please. Um, so, uh, next slide. Wanted to give um, the Commissioners as well as the public um, a reminder of, of the improvements going on on Yerba uh, Buena Island. Um, today's uh, actions that we're requesting are focused on uh, the Hillcrest um, street, which is in the green, located on the bottom right of the slide. You can see that that project uh, is in the middle of the Southgate project, which is in the yellow, which we just opened up in May, as well as on the left uh, is Westside Bridges, which the board approved us awarding in May of this year, and we're now in construction. Next slide. So this project um, is focusing on um, widening Hillcrest uh, to meet city standards, as well as uh, installing some retaining walls uh, in order to make that happen, cutting into the hillside, and installing a Class II uh, bike facility. Next slide. The uh, expected duration of Hillcrest is two years, um, and this project, the base scope, is fully funded um, in the amount of uh, just under $30 million by HCD, Housing Community Development, uh, via what's called an infill infrastructure grant, IIG. Uh, these improvements are fully funded. Um, however, we had, um, I'll get to that uh, next. Um, the project is expected to start uh, next year, so early 2024, and with the expected completion of 2025. Next slide. Um, so we have an opportunity to be better stewards of public funds, and um, there is um, a possibility that we will try to not only in, incorporate, uh, not only uh, complete the improvements that are part of the base scope for Hillcrest, but incorporate uh, improvements that are part of the multi-use path, which traverses alongside um, half of the island, so ranging from uh, the Southgate project all the way uh, through Hillcrest, through Westside Bridges, uh, further up to the, uh, closer to the Treasure Island proper. 
What you're seeing on this slide is a comparison of the base scope, which is a 36-foot wide uh, roadway that is part of the project that's being designed right now. Uh, we're trying to add into, uh, cut into the hillside even more uh, to incorporate this uh, multi-use path. So you can see a 16-foot uh, wide bike pedestrian pathway, class one facility. And what we're trying to do is install that now, as opposed to installing the first wall and then a year or two later taking out that wall and installing another wall. So um, that is an unfunded uh, scope, uh, but we're working uh, internally with uh, our PPD and Deputy Director Anna Fort will be coming back to this board as early as next month to look at some funding exchanges and some other internal ways to uh, provide funding. And we're working with MTC as well to uh, close that unfunded uh, gap. Um, but again, it's an opportunity uh, that we're, we're trying to uh, use to build this one time. Um, all that being said, I will now go into the items, uh, agenda items nine and 10, but I wanted to give that backdrop for transparency. Next slide. So agenda item number nine uh, is focused on uh, seeking board approval for a contract amendment for design. We are currently at 95% uh, completion of design. We need to get to that 100% mark and it's valued in the amount of $350,000. Why are we doing this? Well, when we had the infill Info infrastructure grant, there was a cap, 10% cap, cap on soft costs. And we have been recently successful in increasing that cap to allow for reimbursability. So it's a good news story. Unfortunately, we had to go through this administrative effort to get to this, but it's a good news story to get us to 100% design. Next slide. Um, this is, again, the map just to, to show uh, everything for reference. Um, this next item, agenda item number 10, is again focused on Hillcrest, but also uh, touches on two other facilities there on the top right of the slide underneath the Bay Bridge. One is called the Torpedo Building. The other is the Pier E2 uh, facility, which we're at phase two. Um, I'll get into a little bit more in the next slide, please. So the um, Hillcrest uh, portion uh, and the Pier E2 Torpedo uh, facility, what we did is we put out an RFP and uh, that was to get constructability services, to get construction management services, as well as a post-construction um, uh, scope that we need to complete. We're working with uh, Bay Area uh, uh, Toll Authority, BATA, as well as uh, Treasure Island Development Authority, also known as TIDA in regards to collaborating and, and administering this work on both of their behalf. Um, the value of this RFP is just over five million and we had a two year effort uh, with the DBE and SBE goals of 20%. Next slide. So when we issued the RFP, we received four proposals. Um, we interviewed three and the selection panel um, came up with two awards, which I'll get into in a moment. The first award is for the Hillcrest scope, and that is uh, decided to be granted to WSP. 
there's benefits of utilizing WSP given that they are our construction management consultant for Westside Bridges. And given that adjacency, there's, there's certainly an advantage to be able to uh, uh, attack issues uh, for both projects with one firm. Next slide. The torpedo building, um, you may ask, what is that? Well, that, it's a structure that's underneath the Bay Bridge, and um, it was built in 1891 uh, for the purposes of defending uh, the Bay for, for attack. It, it stored um, uh, military devices, including what's called torpedoes that were used to uh, protect the Bay. Uh, those were uh, placed out via cable, uh, and that building has been uh, emptied since the 1930s, uh, but it has significance uh, in the National uh, Historic Registry, uh, and so it's part of our due diligence to uh, weatherproof this building, uh, and it's also alongside, next slide, it's alongside the Pier E2 uh, facility, which is available for, for um, viewing as a Vista point, uh, but the next phase is to provide parking and restrooms and other utility uh, relocations in order to make it uh, truly an accessible uh, feature of, of the Bay Area. Next slide. Again, this was part of the same procurement process. Um, the selection uh, in this case uh, yielded the result of a firm called GHD, uh, which is a, a firm that is uh, entering uh, further and further into the Bay Area market. Uh, the selection panel was very pleased with their shoreline experience or experience in shoreline projects as well as their uh, experience working with BCDC. Um, and with that, uh, we can go to the next slide. So again, in summary, uh, we have two separate action items. Um, item nine uh, related to WMH design and item 10 related to the construction management services. And with that, I'll turn it back to you, Chair. Thank you, Director Holmes. Um, Commissioner Chan. Thank you, Chair. Um, just quick questions about the preservation uh, for the torpedo preservation project that you mentioned about restrooms in the area. So does that money, but the $400,000 is really just for the preservation project and it's not inclusive of the restrooms and those are to be, those are the funding to be identified for the restrooms and the rest area, is that correct? So the restrooms are part of the Pier E2 uh, phase two project. Uh, and the numbers that you saw on the slide are related to the professional services to perform construction management. So we still have to put this project out to bid for construction uh, bidders to uh, give us low bids. Um, so we'll be back uh, at that point sometime early next year. And Sorry, um, through the chair, just wanted to follow up and for clarification. So what you're saying is um, the preservation is the $400,000 for the preservation project, and then the E2 peer is, uh, what I saw was $800,000, but those are just design and soft costs, and then we still actually have to go out for a bit for the actual construction that's including the restroom. Yes, all of this is for soft costs. Okay. So um, both, all three of those numbers that were indicated are for soft costs. Uh, we will come back to the board when we get bids uh, to seek board approval to enter into those contracts to actually do the work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Chan. Commissioner Dorsey. Thank you, Chair Mandelman. And as we round out the uh, District 6 portion of this meeting, I didn't want to leave you out by saying, without saying 
Thank you for your work on this. Um, you know, it's interesting that uh, Yerba Buena Island, for as long as I have lived in this city, you know, there's a lot that I haven't seen there, and it's just, uh, it's great to see all this stuff coming together with Treasure Island, but Yerba Buena especially, because I think, you know, for a long time it was, so much of it was inaccessible that now, um, that's really a special uh, thing, and like you mentioned, some of the historic resources out there. Um, great work, and let me know how I can help in any way. Thank you, Commissioner Dorsey. Um, and uh, let's open this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who'd like to speak to us about items 9 and 10, 9 or 10, come on up. Uh, no, never mind, sorry. All right, let's see if there's any remote public comment on items 9 and 10. Checking for remote public comment on items 9 and 10. Hi, caller, your two minutes begins now. Hello again, uh, Commissioners. Um, Roland Brand, San Jose, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'd like to start by um, showing my appreciation uh, for um, uh, Mr. Holmes and his team's attempt at um, somehow integrating all these uh, multiple overlapping um, projects in, in a very small area of uh, Yerba Buena Island. But it is in this context that I would like to um, echo the comments I've made at the CAC, is that I would like to remind, uh, take this opportunity to remind the board that the area immediately to the right of Hillcrest Island must be reserved, or at least be considered, for the future launch shafts for the new uh, Trans Bay Tunnel um, uh, tunnel boring machine. And I hope everybody keeps that in mind as we go ahead with all this construction. Thank you. Thank you, caller. There is no more public comment. All right, public comment on items 9 and 10 is closed. Uh, Commissioner Dorsey, would you like to move approval of 9 and 10? Um, and I will second that. And I think that we can take those that motion, same house, same call. Mr. Clerk, please call item 11. Item 11, investment report and debt expenditure report for the quarter ended June 30th, 2023. This is an information item. Deputy Director for Finance and Administration, Cynthia Fong. Um, good morning, Chair. Thank you for the introductions. Um, so sorry, um, I'm in the process of closing the books for fiscal year 22-23 and numbers are flowing in my head. But I'm happy to be here today to report out on fourth quarter numbers for fiscal year 22-23. These are an estimate numbers. I'm very close in closing the books. But as of June 30th, um, cash balances are at $124 million. Um, as of the fiscal end of the fiscal year, we this represents 56% uh, of the funds sitting in the city pool. 
Um, in terms of our debt compliance, we have no outstanding debt at this time, um, I'm sorry, no outstanding loans at this time, but still hold a balance of 194 million in our outstanding 2017 um, sales tax revenue bonds. I can also report at this point where we are at with our sales tax revenues, our Prop AA revenues, and our TNC revenues. For our sales tax revenues, I'm happy to report that we are at 111.5 million. This is over by the approximately 300,000 per our estimates. For our Prop AA vehicle registration fees, we have collected 4.6 million and budgeted 4.8 million. This is a little bit under as what we had anticipated. And for our TNC um, Prop D revenues, we have collected um, 8.3 million. We had anticipated 7.5 million to come in for the fiscal year. This is, a, um, in, this is over by 812,000. So I'm very happy to see those revenues come in. Thank you, Commissioner um, with that, I am happy to take any questions, but I will be back in the fall with the results of our fiscal year 22-23 audit. All right. Thank you, Deputy Director Fong. And I don't see any comments or questions. If there's any public comment on item 11, come on up. And let's see if we have any remote public comment on item 11. Checking for remote public comment on item 11. And there is no public comment. All right. <clears throat> public comment on item 11 is closed. Mr. Clerk, please call item 12. Item 12, introduction of new items. This is an information item. Commissioner Melgar. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair Mandelman. Uh, colleagues, uh, today I am introducing a resolution uh, urging the MTA to include uh, San Francisco Unified School District schools in the active communities plan. Studies have shown that people uh, who walk, bike, enroll, and take public transportation uh, from a young age carry those habits into adulthood. This creates communities that are not only healthier for our bodies, but also better for the planet. Sets the stage for a new generation of San Franciscans dedicated to sustainable transportation networks. Encouraging young people to walk, bike, and roll means ensuring all schools have safe and easy access. The MTA's development of the Active Communities Plan is a prime opportunity to ensure that all schools in San Francisco Unified School District have safe and efficient routes for students across San Francisco. This must include physical infrastructure improvements to our active communities network to ensure that these passageways do not put students at risk. So far, the MTA has been assessing five schools a year, meaning the whole process would take about 20 years to complete. Uh, so a kindergarten today may not see their school have a safe passage uh, until after they leave college. Our students, our climate, our city cannot wait. Um, I recently uh, was prompted to, um, you know, have this desire to speed this up because by... Uh, my youngest daughter started uh, as a freshman at Lowell High School. We live less than a mile away, um, and I started doing a bike train for her and our neighbor who are biking to school. Um, and it was it's really dangerous, <laughs> less than a mile. Um, the uh, bike lanes that we do have are worn out, not very well maintained, and there are long stretches where they are competing with cars. And the school themselves, which is right next to Lakeshore Elementary School in um, Supervisor in Guardio's district, um, 
a very, very poor infrastructure, uh, no curb cuts, uh, you know, uh, they're competing with cars, and, you know, the school is 3,000 young people who are uh, competing for space uh, with adults in their cars, and it is very dangerous. So today I'm introducing this resolution, resolution urging the SFMTA to include SFUSD schools in the ongoing development of the active communities plan to be completed by May 2024. I want to thank my colleagues, uh, Chair Mandelman, Commissioners Peskin, Chan, Dorsey, and Guardio for your early co-sponsorship. I look forward uh, for us all working together to make San Francisco safe for students, families, and travelers of all mode. And I want to thank in particular um, Robin Pam and um, Sarah Bars with Kids Safe SF for their uh, collaboration on this. Thank you. All right. Um, thank you, Vice Chair Melgar. Let's open um, this item to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who'd like to come forward. Yes, it sounds good. The, the, no matter what, you are, we have to raise the quality of education because you see the danger you're talking about. Yes, so we must promote this and then you have a, a, a safe, let's say, transportation system because we link, but here the level of, uh, it's very bad, it's very, very, very low. I'm talking about intelligence. It's, very, it's, it's normal because it, it follows uh, what I, I'm sorry, I've defined the pandemic of unintelligence. So that's the way it goes. So now you are trapped in this thing. But remember, yes, that's it. We must raise the level of education. It's no way around it, otherwise it's gonna be catastrophic unless this that we won't be able to avoid so yes let's see if we have any remote public comment on item 12. checking for remote public comment on item 12. and there is no public comment um Public comment on item 12 is closed. Mr. Clerk, please call item 13. Item 13, public comment. All right, if there's anyone who'd like to speak on Jen, here we go. Okay, then it's lunch. Transportation is essential, of course. That's why there is a lot of attention put on. Uh, money is not the key issue anymore. You, it's the goal, the, uh, the, the vision, objective. So you want uh, uh, San Francisco to shine, right? Back or just, but there's gonna be, something is going to happen. So what you are trying to work on, it's not gonna work, it can't, because something is going to happen before it could work. So just focus your attention on understanding this because you can't avoid it. It's gonna be something bad. I'm sorry, because of the pressure, the speed and the, the sheer, yeah, too much low intelligence. So it leads to a, an accident, huh? it's not possible otherwise. So please think, focus, remember, uh, it's in your best interest and that of your children. It's easy to understand. Or if you don't have children, your closest relatives. It's the way it works, otherwise you're done. So it, it applies to transportation, yes, because transportation is key in any society, and so city, etc., etc. It makes it's totally uh, okay. Uh, see you later. All right. Let's see if there's any remote public public comment on item thirteen. 
checking for remote public comment on item 13. And there is no public comment. Public comment on item 13 is closed. Mr. Clerk, can you please call item 14? Item 14, adjournment. You're adjourned. <laughs>